Long ago, in a far distant world, there was a band that decided to put out a record. And it was pretty meh. This is the story of Chevelle. <laughs> What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Tentacle Bot Podcast. My name is Matt, and with me, I'm Gabe. And honestly, we're gonna just kind of dig right into it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be digging into Chevelle today. Uh, this is honestly like I, I used to love these guys a lot. I kind of mm-hmm. fell off the the wagon when I just found myself evolving a little bit more in my musical taste. But mm-hmm. uh, today we're gonna be talking about their newest release from March fifth, Neratius, or Nothing Is Real, and this is a simulation. Is what that stands for. Um. Yeah. So kind of just jumping right into it. Um. Matt, you obviously uh, have a have a particular feeling about this record. What do you feel about it? <laughs> I yeah, and uh, you know, based on based on just that intro, is I, I definitely felt like the the record was a very meh record. Um, I found a lot of listening to it just as much as I could between calls at work and just in some of my free time. Is a lot of the record seemed to just blur together. Is it? If I ended up spacing out too much during it and I came back is I felt like I was lost. It's almost as if I just kind of wandered into a desert and looked around and there was just no civilization was kind of how I how I felt listening to it. And if if I just space like I said, if I spaced out too much is I I had no idea where I was in the record and everything. There wasn't really a, a separation from song to song. Yeah, so uh, I disagree. I actually kind of enjoyed this record. I do agree that there was uh, some of that issue, and I feel like it could have been executed a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, like it is a very sci-fi direction with the album. Yeah, and just with like a, a lot of the information that I pulled uh, was from was directly from uh, Pete's interview with Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they they went with a very sci-fi direction, and I I I definitely enjoyed that. It um proved to be more interesting and more uh set apart from their previous albums which really just kind of stuck more around in the uh in general hard rock area um yeah it definitely sounded a lot like a record that you would probably listen to like at least for us here in arizona is 98 kupd but a lot of just the radio rock stations is a lot of the record sounds like it'll probably end up on there just you know if they're if there are singles that are interesting enough the sci-fi vibe was definitely strong in the record it's just unfortunately some of the songs don't separate from each other so unless you're actually kind of giving yeah, it, it some it attention victim to the same issue with a lot of chevelle's albums where the interest just drops further that you get into the album yeah um where they they really pack in a lot of the good stuff up front and then just the further into the record that you go the less interesting it gets yeah and, and we'll definitely be breaking that down here track by track <laughs> as we normally do here in a minute um but yeah that, that was kind of they took a different approach, but they and they they just didn't differentiate and incorporate the multiple different styles. So it just mm-hmm. felt like, even though this was a change from normal Chevelle stuff, it felt like it was still just the same stuff. Yeah, it it, it very much was just Chevelle, just with a little a little bit of pepper. Yeah. Um. How how did you feel uh, lyrically uh, with the album? How did you feel about that? Lyrically, it was. A lot of it was kind of not what I expected is especially if you look at the album art of it and then you kind of listen to the instrumentals of it is you're like, oh, man, they're just they're just really world building. It's going to be this crazy, complex thing is I kept thinking of and I don't know if you've seen the movie yourself, Gabe, but the movie Dune. 
Mm-mm. is I, I kept imagining listening to the songs is kind of just exploring the world of Dune. And the, the best way to describe the world that I remember, this I haven't seen part of this movie in, I think I was in high school, so this is 10 years ago at least. Is it, it Yeah. <laughs> is think Tatooine, like that desert yeah. planet, is that's kind of a lot. It's a, probably the closest similarity to it. Um, and it, it felt like... A lot you could probably put a music video on that world or even just some stuff in space and it would apply perfectly. Okay. Reading over the lyrics though, is it felt very much not that way. It felt as if they were kind of just writing songs about more kind of general life and just kind of emotional stuff as opposed to doing the sci-fi stuff or using the the sci-fi as a, a catalyst for spreading the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like Chevelle, just in previous records as well, often creates lyrics that has forced the listeners to interpret it mm-hmm. um, without like reading the interviews on the tracks. Like you could draw the conclusions <laughs> to like their intended meetings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like obviously... Um, so long mother earth is about leaving the earth and interstellar space travel. Yeah. Mars simula is about going to Mars yep. and again, leaving earth. Um, self-destructor is going to be a little bit more about science deniers. Peach is going to be seemingly about Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, so like you can draw these conclusions, but at the same time, like lyrically, they're going to be something that forces you to interpret a little bit, which mm-hmm. is both a sign of like a good lyricist, but at the same time, if you don't have a little bit more dedicated of a direction, especially for something like this, yeah. I feel like it kind of takes away from it. Like the, the the biggest flaw in this album for me was that it wasn't a concept album. It didn't build a world. It didn't create something like that. It, it definitely started to feel like it was going to be a concept album. Mm-hmm. It started the world building. And then, and I'll actually dig into it. At, and I could probably point to exactly what song is that whole thing just shifts yeah. and it's the the record it, it becomes something completely different and it kind of goes back right into the oh this is Chevelle yeah um and I think the I've actually had the pleasure of seeing Chevelle I think it was you Fiesta I think it was the name of the festival it was actually 98 KUPD running it and headlining was Stone Sour, and I actually got to see Chevelle, and I pretty much stayed for long enough that I saw them play the song I Get It, mm-hmm. which was the only song I cared about, and I was like, all right, smell you later. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got into Chevelle like around 2009. Um, they released Sci-Fi Crimes. Um, I didn't listen. I wasn't really like listening into that record. I really kind of got into um, like Wonder What's Next, this type of thing you could do us in, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Hats Off to the Bull. Um, or sorry, not Hats Off to the Bull. Uh, Venus Sarah. Okay. Um, so like all those three albums like really made up what Chevelle was for me. And like, they were kind of like my iconic, this is what I would want to be if I were a hard, uh, hard rock radio band. Okay. And, um, so like, I always had like that kind of respect for them. And then they released La, Gar- La Gargola, which again, kind of fit that same vibe. And it, all, all four of those albums, it, lyrically, if you read through them, they're the kind that you have to interpret those lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and while it works, it also just kind of feels like it, like it's a sign of a good lyricist when you can force somebody to interpret something like that. Yeah. But at the same time, they never really deviate from that. And um, I feel like that's my biggest issue with it. And with this one here, they really had a, uh, had an opportunity to world build. And, and oh, that, that's kind of where, where my issue falls in with it. Um, instrumentally, this is one of my favorite Chevelle records so far. Okay. That they put out. Um, it just, they, 
uh, Pete Luffler said in an interview that that um, they kind of made more of a, a focus to create more walking lines and more movement within their actual instrumentals okay. rather than just relying on power chords the entire time. And I really appreciated that. That's, and you can okay. see, and you can hear that in the album. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. 100%. The, the album like instrumentally felt like Chevelle got sent into a blender with Intronaut or cloud kicker mm-hmm. who are like both uh, more like prog rock uh, instrumentalists and, they put out really good stuff. I've seen both of them live a couple times now. Oh, They've right always on. put on a phenomenal show. And it, it, this felt like a Chevelle mix with that. So your normal palatable non-prog rock rock mm-hmm. mix with the, the more progressive kind of stuff. And it, it fits really well. Like the, the original goal and the sci-fi nature of the album really felt like it meshed well with the instrumentals that they did yeah and i think you know kind of digging into that prog piece is one of the bands that i kept seeing as a comparison is i kept hearing things that sounded a lot like tool and i don't know if it was if it was the playing itself but i think a combination of that as well as the tone and just kind of what they were doing is i did feel a lot of these tool aspects um i did catch a little bit of it in some of the vocals that were done but i was just getting a lot of tool vibe so having it, it was almost as if chevelle and tool had this kind of 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 love child and, and these parts of that the record and i think that was one of the things that kept me kind of interested in the record um and i will say you know as a callback to our last episode i enjoyed this record overall more than i did the a day to remember record yeah is it felt more it was weird because it both felt more interesting, but it felt less interesting because the songs kind of blended together. Um, and I definitely, you know, and actually this might even be a good way to segue just right into the track by track yeah. is let's just go with first one, which is Verrucked. Um and this really sets the stage for the record. This is where I kind of sat there and said, we're going into a sci-fi record. Mm-hmm. So this is my I'm my first impression here is this sounds like we're probably going on a ride that you could stitch this onto a sci-fi film and it would work perfectly. Um very very good world building and it really creates that atmosphere. Yeah, it, it, it's a really bold move to open the album with an instrumental mm-hmm. like this, like not your normal just intro track that'll play as the band gets ready to come on stage that leads into the the actual main first song of the album like this is just flat out a whole song that's an instrumental and like you said like it sets the tone for the album in a really strong way and um i i i I really do dig it uh it's got a really cool riff that i plan on learning myself Mm -hmm. and it's it just kind of has a really nice groove to it and i dig it um my only complaint with that is I did feel, and even though the song was only about two, two and a half minutes, is I did feel to an extent it did go a little bit longer than it should have. Um, and I think part of it is because I'm so used to intro songs similar to like Dead Throne by The Devil Wears Prada um, or even Awakening by Bless the Fall, just to name a couple. In Waves is by it Trillium. Still... Or not In Waves, but the uh, the, the opening track for yeah, that. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and, and I get what you're saying there, like how it would normally lead into a uh lead into like whether it's a title track or the what's supposed to really be the opening track it's mm-hmm. meant to be more uh, of a just hype builder. Hi- exactly a hype mm-hmm. builder this one i feel like is just more of a hey that we're chevelle this is what we do we kind of do what we want and it, i feel like it set the tone really well for the album and i actually 
respect them a lot more mm-hmm. for doing this. And I think this this also seems like a song where they absolutely could end up starting a show with it is because you, you know you they could kind of have one of those openers similar to Dead Throne where it kind of um you know for those who may not be familiar it was the uh title track off of their fourth record. It was released actually dude 2011. <laughs> Feel <so> old. old. <laughs> <laughs> um is so it, it starts out and it starts in builds into the um kind of a, a drums by itself just this done 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 and, so, and you hear it kind of slowly build and how i imagine chevelle if they play this song live is they have something kind of build like that as the band gets on stage and then they immediately start with this song yeah and i feel like that would really help kind of set the stage for what kind of a show it is um the next song so long mother earth this is my favorite song on the album bar none you sir i i have to agree with that it it absolutely takes the cake and it's the transition from the first song into this one was just super smooth and then how nicely it just cuts right into the lyrics immediately mm-hmm. i think was a, a huge thing that helped the song um the chorus was the best i think this is probably the most memorable and most catchy song of the entire record definitely like th- for this song here like Pete's crooning over the soaring choruses just mm-hmm. really like identify this album and showcased it as well as like developing, uh, showcasing like the developing evolution of their music. Yep. It still felt fresh while still being Chevelle. And like it showcased both beauty and heavy for the album, mm-hmm. which I feel like are, are two very main themes that go throughout the album in terms of the instrumentals. It's, it's heavy, but at the same time, like it's, exemplifying the the wonder awe and like almost terror of space yeah uh the just the idea of the vast nothingness being surrounding us and how infinitesimally small that we are yep uh i I feel like this album this song is a good showcase for that if you were to ask me hey show show me a song that's gonna just make me feel like i'm kind of floating through space this would be one of those songs yeah like i'm we're departing earth here we go there's no turning back now. And like, mm-hmm. I felt like this song was that song. Um, like I said, it's my favorite song on the album and it really just kind of showcased what Chevelle could do. Yep. And I, I think that's a really good way to describe it. And I, I think especially having it so early into the record and still maintaining the world building is, I think that really is enough to just hook you into wanting to listen to the rest of the record. And I think at that point is that's what started to solidify the possibility that this is going to be a, a uh, concept record. Unfortunately, my, my mind ended up changing and we'll, we'll get definitely yeah. get into that once we get to that point. But I was definitely really happy with how, um, with how that ended up being the song. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I still really wish that this was a concept album. Yeah. Uh, it it would have like been an absolute just taken blast. It. Yeah. I feel like it would have taken it to <laughs> pun intended in a stellar levels. <laughs> yeah. And so like, a, the song's just about leaving earth and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of what we go on to as we move further away from that. Um, and then that kind of segues nicely into Mars Simula, which is again another song about interstellar travel. And uh, this song slaps. It's a it that is a banger. groove is yeah. fantastic, especially I'm on my way to Mars. And that that yeah, groove it, that, that goes that walking is line awesome. is just so good. Um, Pete's vocals changing from like that seething growl to those shrill screams of despair that he does uh-huh. is just 
it's so good. Like it, you actually feel like he's from a dying planet and that this is his only hope. Yeah. And uh, that like we have to focus on this because the world around us is dying and mm-hmm. we're not doing enough to save it. So we need to find a way to make a plan B. Yep. Um, and like it just, I, I like you actually felt that tension with this song. Um, and, and again, like the same thing, like Pete does that thing where he just uh, allows the, the listener to interpret the song, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like you, you have a strong sense of what the, the song is about and what feeling that you're supposed to actually contrive yeah. from it. And again, it's still, it felt fresh, but it still felt like Chevelle. Yep. Um, and the, the dynamic of, especially where it's kind of that kind of fry singing and it's that really low volume in the verses and then kind of picking up into that, that kind of walking chorus we're doing the, I'm on my way to Mars and going into that mm-hmm. is it, it, it felt a very natural progression to go through the song yeah, and the it song de- never felt like well. it never felt like anything was being forced, which that I think is another reason why this is absolutely one of the best songs on the record. It's not far behind so long mother earth, but it, it's definitely, definitely running real close yeah absolutely um then from there it uh moves to track four which is sleep the deep which is another instrumental song um that pete basically just made one night and my my issue with this is the song is not part of like any sort of musical theme that's attaching either to mars simula or the next track Mm self-destructor like it's just there and it's kind of a cool thing that he came up with on a keyboard and that's it. Like, if this song flowed into another song or was a recurring musical theme, then I would be okay with its placement here. Yeah. But otherwise, it just feels like it shouldn't be there. And it, it's going to be an auto skip every time because there's no reason for me to listen to this song. So I, I definitely have a couple of things. So going back to the point when I said I knew that there was going to be a shift in the in the record, this is the song where things... I wouldn't say they completely went downhill because, and I'll, I'll the next song it, it provides some re- redemption. But this is where things start to change, and it feel it's a spooky song which I really like. And the first listen, I'm like, oh, something's happening. Yeah, like this could have been built on really well leading oh, into a new have. track. Like, I mean, there's no other track on the album that really fits well with the theme that was created in Sleep the Deep. Mm-hmm. It just there was nothing actually there for it to cling on to. So it just sits there as something that somebody made in garage band and yep. never did anything more. Like it, it just, it was a cool thematic element that they never returned to. And, and like that felt kind of bad just because I feel like that something he could have built on a song with that mm-hmm. and would have done really well. And then again, continuing along with uh, the rest of the, the sci-fi theme of the album. Yeah. And I think it's cool. It's, it's, Almost as if with that song is they were trying to completely change the dynamic of the record. And it felt like that dynamic was supposed to go into kind of what the Alien franchise was, where it's kind of the sci-fi horror. Yeah. Is that's where I was kind of expecting. Um, but unfortunately is, as you said, is it never really la- – it's almost as if – they went off course just to show this off and then just came right back. Yeah. And that song that they went right back to is self-destructor. Um, and I think the first time I actually listened to this song was actually off of KUPD. And I never realized that that song was a new song off this record. <laughs> I actually thought this would have been around at the time that I get it came out like five, 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And it, it just, it's, it's a fine song, but it's nothing mind-bending. Yeah. And one more thing to go back on Sleep the Deep real quick. I know we're talking a lot about a 
30 second no lyrics song. Yeah, but, that's, yeah. <laughs> but um, one other thing with that too is the fact that like Pete said in his interview with Apple Music that, um, that this is something cool that he created and it was kind of a nice uh, getaway from just making something on guitar, which I can respect yeah, the musician. Yeah, that's fair. And he says that we can expect something like this more uh, later on in more Chevelle stuff, but I feel like we should have experienced more of that in this record. They, yeah. And that, and I, that would have justified its placement. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this... This would have been good, like for a teaser video. Like, yeah, Trivium's amazing with these teaser videos. They have like a small musical theme that will appear later on mm-hmm. in the actual album itself. Um, and, and like they, it showcases and teasing the album and like when it's going to be releasing and when pre-orders are going to be coming right. up. I feel like this would have been fantastic for that. Yeah, uh, unless they did do that and I completely missed it. But um, it would have been great for that. Otherwise, I feel like it doesn't have a place on the record. Yeah, I think I think if they're gonna, I think if they're gonna do something like that and try to build with that kind of style that Sleep the Deep was, is at least start kind of dig into some of the spooky stuff. And I'm not trying to say like don't don't try and go completely left field. Yeah, they, they don't need to be a horror band. They don't. Yeah, they don't need to be like Motionless and White. They don't need to be like Misfits. They don't need to be like creature feature like they, they just these they can incorporate these thematic elements while also still being Chevelle and uh, being able to to really actually like thrive with that it just showcasing hey we can do this darker spookier stuff too mm-hmm. but we're still the same band that you grew up and loved and even if it's only like one or two songs off of a record and it actually fits the th- the overall theme like that would be perfect but just going and just kind of throwing this in and then just being like hey teaser see you later yeah exactly yeah yeah. So, and then moving on to self destructor, um, the song's very obviously about like science deniers, just mm-hmm. lyrically. Um, the song, I feel like it just doesn't. It, it instrumentally builds well, but it also is repetitive in the terms of that yeah. building because like that that guitar line is heard throughout almost the entire song, and it doesn't really deviate a lot from that. No. There, there is some deviation, which is like your normal breaking up of different parts of the different phrases mm-hmm. and parts of the song, which I can ex- uh, accept. Um, but yeah, lyrically, like like I said, it's it's about science deniers. Um, Chevelle's never been like a stranger to risque lyrics about topical issues. Yeah, uh, as we'll see later in Peaches, which is pretty much alluding to Donald Trump. Um, and then uh, like we see it in La Gorgola with uh, Take Out the Gunman. Like sometimes it's hard, it, it, not hard, but like they they have a an issue that they want to write a song about, but they don't want to necessarily come right out in your face and say yeah. it. So they they're, they're able to do that. Self-destructors are going to be a little bit more in your face than Peaches or Take Out the Gunman, mm-hmm. um, just as examples. But um, it's still just it's classic Chevelle writing about a topical issue that they have a strong feeling about. Um, but overall, like the song is smooth flowing. It just never really gets there for me. Yeah, I feel like if it hadn't started out with that guitar line and it started out with something a little bit different, I feel like that would have probably helped out a little bit more. That, yeah, um, just. Because it, it well, it has that same guitar line throughout the song, and while it's good to have a thematic element like that in a song, it just doesn't carry it anywhere else. Yeah, and I think this was this was definitely the song that I noticed that the um the world building that they had started with the first three songs has they've pretty much re- kind of fallen away from. Yeah, they move away from that. They move back to it. Um, I'm leaning here into a uh, pistol star gravity heels. Mm-hmm. Um, they they re- return back to that. It's a, a very simple and driving rhythm for the majority of the song, but like it 
gives the impression of anxiety and moving through space or an unknown realm. Yeah. Like there's that sense of curiosity and wonder that you would have with it. But at the same time, it's just overshadowed by fear and panic of what else is out there or the nothingness that's there and mm-hmm. just kind of the existentialism of it. Yeah. Um, so like, I feel like that song does a really good job of that. And I actually really like this song too. Um, it, it just, it's a strong mid tempo offering for an album. Yeah. And this, this was the first song that I definitely noticed the, the, ver- the tool vibe mm-hmm. and it definitely like in the tone. And then you can definitely hear some of the, uh, you know, you can definitely hear, hear some of that technical aspects that they brought into it. So, and it kind of just digging into the, the tool inspiration. And then this one kind of brings back some of the sci-fi aspects. Um, there were little bits in self-destructor, but it definitely kind of re- returned back to where the record was kind of supposed to be, um, or kind of what I thought the record was supposed to be. Um, and lyrically, it it definitely wasn't as world-buildy. It was just kind of a... Um, I don't know. I don't know how I'd really be able to describe it because it felt like it was kind of like sci-fi vibes. It, it was an interpretive song. Yeah, but it, it also felt like just kind of just a normal type song. Yeah, exactly. Um, then there's the the track "Wormhole," um, which is literally a waste of a track number. It, it's 13 seconds <laughs> of continuing on and blending from Pistol Star to to Peach. And like, I just, I don't understand why they wouldn't have attached it onto either one of those tracks. Yeah. It's just, it, it literally is a waste of a track number. And the only reason that I could think of them doing it is the fact that they had a contract, um, stating, Hey, we have to have this many songs on an album. So mm-hmm. here's a song just to, to fill that space. Otherwise there's no purpose for this to be there. Yeah. No, this is, this is the song that pretty much, uh, put, put in the, the fact that I hate the fact that they have so many interludes in the record is sleep. The deep was a really cool idea. I feel like that could have been cut just because it doesn't fit the vibe. Wormhole was, you know, again, 17 seconds that could have been put somewhere else or just could have been just completely erased. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just felt like they were... I feel like it, if it had been attached on to the end of Pistol Star or to the beginning of Peach, no no issue. It, there no would issue have been whatsoever. no... Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Like, I don't even have time to skip it because the song is over that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what is this, agoraphobic nosebleed? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. But uh, then it leads into Peach. Um, and as I mentioned to this earlier, um, Pete, Pete said in his Apple Music interview that the song is about keeping your hands to yourself. Uh, it's likely talking about Donald Trump. You know, yeah. like, go ahead, touch that peach when he's talking about, or he says, grab the peach. Yeah. That we all know what that's alluding to. Mm-hmm. And just just overall keeping your hands to yourself. So, like, the, the message of the song is really cool. Um, I like the way, the, the delivery of it with uh, Pete's seething growls that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like the song. And this is really the last song on the album that I actually enjoy. This I, I kind of like the the delivery of the um they'll take your arms, they'll take your legs and it almost sounds as though it's referring to like on this alien planet is you go and you you do something wrong and they will rip you literally rip you limb from limb kind of thing and just kind of envisioning some of that and it's almost like the envisionment of some giant monster just yeah. <laughs> stomping in and kill him just rip your arms like that's that's one of the things that really came to mind on it and i could definitely see this being a single if it isn't already and i could definitely see it um being something played on on a radio rock station yeah. it, it's it's definitely catchy enough that they can um that it would actually work yeah 
Yeah, and that's that's really all that I have there for it. I do enjoy the song, but it's really the last song that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next uh, track it goes into is Test, Test, Enough. Um, this is where, like like I said, this is the turning point where the songs feel forgettable <clears throat> to me. Yeah. Um, we see in the final track that it calls back to the guitar lines, the that delayed, filtered sound that comes from this song, which is a really cool part, and that that's again leading more to the concept album yeah. portion of it, where that this song should, or at least the, those kind of elements of it, should have been earlier on in the record to really yeah. bookend it. Yeah, like it, it ends the album, and which is like a cool way to end the album, and especially with the rest of the theme of the of this album, but. This coming so late into it, I think this is like track seven or eight now. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. It, like it's so late into the record that it doesn't really have a purpose of bookending mm-hmm. it like that because this song doesn't really mesh with Lost in Digital Woods, which is that final song. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Uh, it it doesn't really bring anything to the table other than yeah. that musical element. And the musical element is really cool, but lyrically, it's just a really boring song. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's definitely there's not really much there for lyrics yeah. to really look into. Yeah, th- th- and this would this would be a good filler song instead of Sleep the Deep or instead of yeah, exactly because yeah, this like the way that the reverb is on the vocals and the mm-hmm. way that the guitars have that super spacey uh, ethereal vibe to them. Yeah, makes the song what would be a good filler song in between. Yeah, and I and this is this is you know it it just goes back into just how much I just was like. I really wish that you got, you know, is I think two to three interludes in a record is about the maximum that should be done. And and this one, it was cool kind of having the vocal effects and then having that kind of echo with that with the guitar and kind of how everything was spaced out. And that was neat, but it, it just it, it just was another filler. And I think it ended up being about two minutes. And it definitely probably could have taken Sleep the Deep's place, and mm-hmm. it probably would have fit way better, at I, least exactly. time-wise. Well, time-wise, it would have fit better, and then it also just, that's close enough to the front that that would be a proper bookending to the end of the album. Yeah, when it, and when it the kind of maintains reappears. the vibe, yeah. Exactly. Um, then it moves on into Endlessly, which this honestly just feels like every rock album's slow tempo, slow tempo song that they should include into the album. You want to know what the first thing I thought of when I heard it? What was the first thing you thought of when you heard it? The movie Ice Age. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know if it's just one of the songs that was in the, in the, um, in that movie that it just ended up being. And I'm just like, why do I keep thinking of the mammoth with the kid just walking through the ice? Like it was weird. Maybe because they just keep endlessly making those movies. What are they up to (laughs) five now? <laughs> something like that. Five movies of something that should never made it past two or three. Yeah, no, they they they're definitely scraping bottom on that. <laughs> Absolutely, one. they are. But hey, and money the money machine go burr. <laughs> money machine go burr. But yeah, no, this was definitely the the slow ballad, and uh, I honestly that's really all I can give it. Yeah, I mean, like, lyrically, it has a cool theme. Um, from what Pete was stating, the actual lyrics of the song didn't mm-hmm. really like. I didn't personally find that. He was saying that it's about like reconnecting once we leave this earth behind, that once the earth is finally dead and we, we have to leave uh, mm-hmm. in order to, to save humanity, mm-hmm. that it's really going to be about um, reconnecting and uh, setting aside our differences as a, as a human race um, to then be able to, to reestablish a new earth and a new civilization. And so like that concept sounds really cool and would fit normally with the record. Lyrically, yeah. it didn't feel like that reading over the lyrics prior to reading about that interview. And musically, it didn't fit. 
No, and, absolutely. And that, that's my biggest issue because, like, if they had wrote, written a song that was going to be a little bit more directly tied to that meaning that Pete said, mm-hmm. then yeah, absolutely, I am about it. That fits with the record. But yeah. this just doesn't feel like it does. No, and I, I think it definitely, you know, and especially looking at how it's just that slower type song is, yeah, no, I definitely can kind of see how that, that really wouldn't quite fit the um, vibe. But, you know, I, the, realistically we should be doing all of those things right now but you know that's just not how things work apparently yeah, yeah. then it leads into a remember when which honestly is just again another forgettable song it's lyrically boring and the, the instrumentals it's it's a bit different than previous chevelle releases but it's not mm-hmm. interesting enough to keep the song afloat and it just kind of it gets buried underneath it sounds honestly like someone else. I can't put my finger on who, but it sounds like someone else that I've heard on the radio. Yeah. And I, I like I said, I can't quite put my finger on it. And it's like, I don't th- really wasn't feeling anything tool. I wasn't really feeling Chevelle. It, it felt like somebody else, but I just don't know who. Um, it's another song. I wouldn't be surprised if it hit the radio. Um, but it's definitely one of the songs, you know, unfortunately, in kind of the, the forgettable part of the record. So it was, I couldn't really, um, you know, I, I couldn't really vibe with it. Yeah, like, it, it's just, it's one of those, it's uh, it's like we talked about reentry in A Day to Remember last week. Mm-hmm. It just, I can't really even remember the, the way the song goes. I've listened yeah. to the song, or the song in the album, I listened to it close to 15, 20 times in preparation for this cast, and it just... I, I never really remember it. It's not just a memorable song, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we see that same thing for me, at least for me with Ghost and Razor. Like it's it's the final forgettable song on the on the record. It just feels boring. The I feel like if it's not going to be the very last song in the album, or, or if it's going to be an album closer, the, this one obviously has a spoken word at the very end, which is mm-hmm. cool uh, in terms of the way the album, rest of the album goes. Yeah. But. If you're not going to close it out with a heavy, heavy banger, then you should close it out with the song before that with a heavy, heavy banger. And yeah. Ghost and Razor just never gets there. No. And it, it's cool. That, that's another one that I definitely got the Tool vibes. Um, I definitely noticed after a couple listen-throughs is I started catching some of the effects in the background, and it was almost electronic-y, but it was – it kind of added a little bit something, so it filled, so it didn't feel like the song was just dead. So it was kind of nice having that going in the back. But unfortunately, there just wasn't really anything that um, really spoke out to me, other than that it sounded like it probably could have been written by Tool. Yeah, with this being the second to last song on the album, I would have wanted this to be something more akin to Mars Simula, where it's just it's a hard hitting song that's mm-hmm. gonna slap you in the face before yeah. they finish it off. Or something more like uh, "So Long, Mother Earth," where it's it's more of that soaring fits the thematic element of the of the whole album with the yep. sci-fi nature and and kind of just engrossing with that. But it just it doesn't really do either of those for me. No. Um, but then it, it, we finally end up at "Lost in Digital Woods," which is it, it's a really great closer to this album. I actually mm. really enjoy it as a closer. Um, it's very clean, simple. It's just a spoken word poem that's very open for interpretation. We see the the return of the the main theme of test test enough to close out the album, mm-hmm. and that like this is a strong closer. 
for an album of what they tried to do with this. Okay. They yeah. just lost their way in those middle groupings of songs. Yeah, no, they they definitely in that in that in that group is they they lost a lot of um a lot of attention. And I think that was definitely one of the parts where um, kind of saying like, you know, I felt like I just I kind of wandered into the desert and got lost is because these songs is is I space out and then I kind of come back to and I don't know which song I'm in. So it's mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking around like, what song is this? And I have to actually go and pull up and see what it is that I'm listening to. So that was definitely a big bummer. I did really like that callback to test test though. Yeah. And especially yeah. having that echo. I think that was a really, a really nice kind of, you know, tying of the bow, but I just feel like it was, it was weak, weak enough that I kind of wasn't interested in a way mm-hmm. is probably a good way to put it because and again, kind of going back is if test us enough was earlier in the record, I think is it would have resolved yeah. the record a lot nicer. It's just, I think it came so late in the record and I already started kind of forming my, my strong opinion of not disdain, but disappointment for mm-hmm. the record overall. Yeah. Like the, the, this song really, like I imagine in my head along with the rest of the theme of the album that, this is the final monologue of the uh, the astronaut who is just floating endlessly into the the black depths of space. Mm-hmm. That this is just his final call. He has no hope. He has no. It, it is all despair at this point. Mm-hmm. And that like his he <clears throat> says his lines, and then that's it. Like it closes out, or it comes with like a bright shining light at the very end to uh, showcase that something else is going to happen. Yeah. But then that's like where the movie would cut. And it just, it, it, again, it's really open for interpretation. It would allow a viewer or a listener to really just contemplate what exactly was going to be happening there. Right. And just, it leaves things open-ended, which I think is a really cool way, um, especially for like sci-fi movies to leave things. Yeah. And um, like I said, I feel like that they did a really good job with that, with this song. It just, unfortunately, was, it, it's, it's previous songs just weakened that power behind yeah. it. Yeah, I can I can absolutely agree with that. And it, it, if you kind of looked at the, um, you know, if, if you looked at a bell curve, is I feel like the bell curve, as opposed to it being equal on both, as opposed to being equal on both sides. Sorry, I'm trying to like talk with my hands to to envision this. Is if you pull all of it towards the left side, and you see the the peak or the the kind of the down is it comes very much dramatically down and then it just almost plateaus out. So it's a lot longer of a stretch is that's kind of how I would envision like watching the peak and Mm -hmm. the decline of the record is it's definitely a lot more front heavy. Peach is kind of the only thing that gives a, a, the possibility that there could be a little pip that comes up to show that the record's got some sort of life in the end. And then Lost in Digital Wood, as you see, just ever so slightly, just a bump. And, and, and what would end up being the, the heartbeat of the record is it just feels like the record dies really quickly and just doesn't fully recover. Now, I will say, compared to the A Day to Remember record, I enjoyed listening to it more uh, because I, like, I didn't get partway through and just want to cry. <laughs> At least with this one is 
I was, there was an aspect of me that was still invested enough in the record that I still wanted to listen to mm, it. Yeah. It's just the last couple times I listened to it and kind of, you know, doing deeper dives into it is that's where I started to really lose the, um, lose the appreciation for it. And, you know, it, I, I don't want it to sound like, an, cause it, it sounds like Pete, Pete's the vocalist. Yeah. Um, yeah, vocals and, it, and guitar. Okay. So it sounds like he was pretty in depth with kind of how he was trying to do things, at least based on the interview, but at least from my interpretation, just as a listener and as someone who's kind of trying to understand what's going on is I felt like something was missing and something wasn't quite there. And unfortunately that's kind of what killed it on the record for me. It's pleasing to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess since that kind of wraps up the, the track by track is honestly, I'll let you take over at first for the, how would you rate the record? Um, because I think I've, I've been pretty vocal about my thoughts and that what I can, what I'll do is I'll just kind of give a, a little bit of a closer for my thoughts on it. Yeah. So, um, if, as we mentioned previously in the podcast, we rate things on a scale of one to eight tentacles. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I, I've always had a, a particular liking for Chevelle. I've always uh, felt like they just they had something that was there. I mean, they, obviously, they're doing fairly well for themselves, um, despite their poor record label decisions and, and poor uh, contract decisions that they made earlier on that they that were recently coming to light. Um, but overall, like, I, I would say that I would give this uh, this album a six out of eight tentacles. Um, just because I, I do like what the album could have been. Um, if this album had really kept along with that main theme and, and kept on building on the world, uh, th- this this world concept that they had, um, it, what, what, what felt like they had originally, um, th- this album definitely was a strong contender. And actually, I, I think I'm rating a little bit too high. I think I would have to give it more like close to about a five and a half or so. Okay. Um, that and if they had continued on with that, then it definitely had the potential to be higher, mm-hmm. and definitely had the potential to be my favorite record of theirs to date. Right. Um, it it unfortunately just kind of missed that mark a little bit. Yeah. Um, but there's still definitely songs that are on here that I I definitely enjoy. There are definitely going to be songs that I jam later on, and I can definitely still listen to this album front to back without like hating everything going on. That's fair. I so. My rating's going to be lower than that. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to give it a three out of eight. And, you know, the the front end of it is definitely the the saving grace of the record. Peach, um, as well as aspects of Remember When, are probably the only, only kind of lifelines of the record. But just because of how much the record really wasn't memorable in my eyes and the, the kind of inability to separate some of the songs and... Again, just having as many interludes as there were and some of them being completely useless and having could have actually not have been there or just rearranging of them probably would have made for a lot better of an experience. Um, unfortunately, kind of similar to the A Day to Remember record, there's a good chance that I'm probably not going to listen to this record. Um, and it, it very well could be a case where if I decide to go back to it is I may end up liking it a little bit more. It might just take a little bit of time to kind of stew over it and kind of let it um, kind of let it ferment like a fine wine. But just at least as of right now, it's a, it's a wine I'd be dumping out of the bottle and probably filling with something else. 
I think you're wrong, but that's okay. This is acceptable. <laughs> and again, completely, you know, guys, just to, as a disclaimer, this is our opinion. We are not expecting this to be law. And as much as I disagree with Gabe, and Gabe disagrees with me on this one, is, you know, it, it's again our opinion and just take with it what you will. Yeah, absolutely. This is really just here for us to kind of express our, our personal opinions and views on these and that we can dive a little bit deeper into why you may or may not like an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just kind of using our uh, knowledge and expertise just in, in the field um, to kind of help spread that information a little bit further and, and give people uh, something that they can uh, relate to a little bit more with that or uh, disagree with and then yell at us later on in some form of comment section. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so any at least in regards to the record specifically do you have any other thoughts you want to kind of throw on it is there anything else that you um kind of want to put in on it um honestly just i hope that chevelle does this again and i hope that they manage to to take what they've done and do it a little bit better mm-hmm. um especially just because it feels like that this is going to be more the direction that they're going and i'm okay with this direction that they're going especially as a fan of chevelle previously yeah um i feel like that they can continue taking this on and kind of go more of that uh ethereal um coheed and cambria yeah not cloud kicker kind of vibe to it where it's more of a concept album and um that they can really build upon that yeah um, and as long as they can kind of hone it in and kind of you know see see what things worked and actually you know if they if they stick with an idea is at least run through it for the full record and that would you know actually create a full concept record is i think they have the ability to have the next release be absolutely killer yeah. it's and, just and, like and a concept record is a very difficult thing to write yeah both musically and uh lyrically like they're mm-hmm. just difficult things to write and chevelle has half of a concept record here and i yeah. feel like they could have done it if they had just actually made a conscious decision to go towards that. Yeah. I feel like this really wasn't a conscious decision to try and be a concept record. Mm-hmm. It just, it really had a lot of the footings there for it. Yeah. And I'm sad that it wasn't. And I feel like that's my biggest issue is that I'm more sad about what they didn't do than what they actually did do. Yeah. And I think honestly, even if it ends up being that the next record, if they end up actually going the concept record route is I'd say even just an extra two months is just give it the extra little bit of time just to let, allow everything to, properly be put together is I think that would be a huge help to allowing that concept to actually flourish as it could have um, on this record if they had stuck with it. Um, You know, again, I don't know the, that what was kind of going on in the back end and kind of what they were thinking. Um, And it very well could have been a case where they, they felt like they were still sticking with the concept, but just hadn't, you know, and it, it, it's just how this came out, but it just didn't feel like the concept was fully committed to all the way through. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is what we have for you guys today. Uh, make sure to uh, like, subscribe, and uh, give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, that definitely helps out the show and lets us continue doing this a little bit more and uh, gets us uh, a little bit further up so we can expand our reach. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point we are at the, uh, the hidden track, which is going to be where we talk about something that isn't quite related to what this album has brought for us. Uh, Matt, what do you have for that today? 
So, uh, actually, my favorite band, Lamb of God, um, they dropped, I believe it was last year, the self-titled record, which was the first record they did without Chris Adler. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely killer record. I would recommend it wholeheartedly. Who did they um, get instead of Chris Adler? It was Art Cruz. He used to drum for Winds of Plague, Prong, I believe, and there was one other band. I okay. just can't remember. Right on. Um, so, he ended up taking over for Chris Adler and did a really, really, really good job with taking over that role and kept a lot of the loyalties but did bring in his own flair um and actually tomorrow um the 25th is they're actually going to be dropping the special edition of or i believe it's actually called the deluxe edition where you're going to get the full record uh the song ghost shaped people which is kind of a bonus track and then access to the live streams that they did uh, where they played through the entirety of this record with some uh, bonus songs. And I believe the other disc that they're having is the live show that they did where they played through all of Ashes of the Wake, um, which I love that record. So I'm going to try and probably be getting my hands on that when it drops. Right on. Yeah, um, for mine today, I'm actually going to be talking about a movement that's very close, uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, in 1953, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed off on Operation Water the Grass, in which he de he took 23 decommissioned World War II bombers uh, and put them in a field uh, in in South Idaho with like 18, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, with 18 uh, scientists to develop the serum, and the serum was uh, promoted as a growth hormone uh, to increase the the plant production across the United States. But in reality, this serum was actually an aviary disease in which he used to wipe out the entirety of the, the United States bird population. Dwight D. Eisenhower murdered all of the birds and then slowly replaced them with CIA drones that are meant to, to be watching over us. And, and I just, birds aren't real! <laughs> <laughs> was so, not expecting that one bit. Look, man, if it flies, it spies. <laughs> <laughs> the birds aren't real movement is a movement that I have been a part of uh, really very close to its inception. And um, I just want to keep having to spread the word because the government is out to get you and they're out to get you with the most uh, seemingly harmless things that are out there. And that's birds. <laughs> Unfortunately, like these just, it, it, they're everywhere and we think nothing of it because this is what we were born and brought to teach. Just brought up to learn. We, we always assume that birds are just there uh, and that we're to believe that they're completely real, and in all actuality, that there is that is furthest from the truth. The entire education system is designed to to brainwash us to thinking that we're going to be okay around these things, and to where we're even keeping them as pets. And that's just the the government's way of keeping an eye on the people. That way, they can uh, uh, do exactly <laughs> everything they need to make sure that they can take over at their most prime time. Call. He's a bird! No! <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's all that we have for you guys today. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Next week, we're going to be tackling self-preservation, which is going to be the new Love and Death record, uh, which is the, uh, the first record they've put out in eight years. That's a while. Yeah, so uh, my, my buddy JR is in that band. Uh, that's uh, Brian Head Welch from Corn. It's his side project that he did after he split off from Corn uh, years and years ago. Uh, so we'll be diving into that record, and um, so uh, be sure to join us then. But until then, stay technically. Catch you later.